Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Invest Like a Boss. This is your co-host, Sam Marks, and I'm joined today with the co-founders of Glintz. They are the hottest startup in Singapore and very much the poster boys of the Singapore tech scene. The reason I'm excited to have them on today is because my investment with, with them was very much a journey in investing for me as an angel and them taking on investment as a startup for the first time. So in this, we're going to discuss their classic startup path from a concept to their first investor into an accelerator program that then raising a seed round, and finally a Series A, which they've just closed and announced here for the first time on the podcast. This episode should be very relevant to just about anyone because the money I invested originally in their seed round was in the very, very low five-figure range, and at least on paper, that has grown to six times based on their current Series A valuation. I also know several people who have invested as little as five grand into startups, and although many of those have gone to zero, several have returned as much as 50 times. So as we proceed in our journey investing, we want to be able to share with you insight on how you might look to invest in startups as you expand your portfolio. So with that, please enjoy another episode of Invest Like a Boss with my friends and co-founders at Glintz. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Invest Like a Boss. I have a very special guest here in my Singapore apartment tonight, gentlemen by the name of Oswald and YC, my friends and the poster boys of Singapore startups. <laughs> Um, so guys, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for uh, coming over and joining us. We're excited to have you. Hey, Sam. Nice meeting you. <laughs> so this is Oswald here. And this is YC. Yep. Hi, everyone. Good stuff. Um, yeah. So we're sitting in my apartment in Singapore and we're looking at downtown and we have a nice bottle of, what are we drinking? Purple Folly, Purple Angel. It's a uh, Chilean Carmenere and Oswald and YC decided to uh, yeah, <laughs> to give a go at my Lagavulin 16 scotch, which I'll probably be scotch. joining them in a minute or two after the wine runs out. So anyways, we're excited. Um, we're going to chat about uh, Glintz, the investing world of startups, your guys' experience so many so much good stuff to talk about so um let's kick into it um maybe you guys can give us a little background on what you're doing before before glintz was glintz right so before glintz was glintz um we're both in the army so in singapore there's this compulsory military service so at the age of 18 all singaporeans guys have to go to the army so two years in the army and that's what we were doing we're both serving throwing grenades and shooting guns well that yeah. doesn't sound like a, it sounds yeah. like a great way to get into startups <laughs> yeah so like, that's just, how we got started let's just blow shit up you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what what happened after, like, how'd you get into Glintz from, from the military? Um, well, how we started was actually because we were too bored, just two years in the army. Mm-hmm. We wanted to do something else other than just throwing grenades and shooting guns. <laughs> so we started a company on the side because we have always wanted to start, always interested in businesses mm-hmm. back way back in high school. So we started this t-shirt company. Well, that was good, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like everyone starts a t-shirt company in everyone college, right? Oh, I didn't know that's the trend right now to start a t-shirt <laughs> company, but we started it right there back then when we thought it was the most creative thing to do because we, we it was a very complex concept i shouldn't explain it here but uh it, we it in, in conclusion it didn't it didn't work at all we had zero profits and it got us into a bit of trouble in the military because they saw us on the news and the, our commander was like why are you doing on the news you're not supposed to start a business you're supposed to be yeah, like, yeah, yeah oh man and so the hr caught us down uh wanted to charge us with moonlighting and the only reason why we got out was because i was reading through the constitution and one line said they can't be making illegal profits and we was like we're not making any profits at all <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're failing <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
office. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, uh, so you guys were business partners back then in that as well. Yeah. So, so that was the story of our first startup. How we almost got thrown into prison. Yeah. It's a rocky start. Yeah. Oh man. Wow. That's <laughs> fun. Yeah. How, how long is the military service in Singapore? So it's two years. Uh-huh. Yeah. Between eighteen to twenty-four months. So after that first t-shirt company, after that flopped, we decided to continue experimenting on the site, mm-hmm. and that's when we actually went for we actually ran this internship for one of the co-working spaces in Singapore, the one you're working at now. The hub. The hub. The hub, yeah, the one you're at now. And we're running an internship program for them. How did that happen? Oh, like that was... You were straight, straight out from the military, straight out of, of a failed t-shirt enterprise <laughs> and straight into running an internship program for the hub? Yeah, well, it was through our third partner. Mm-hmm. So his name is Teddy and he was just interning for them part-time and he roped us in for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So we're running that part-time and then after a few months, mm-hmm. we saw that there was actually demand in the market for like an internship business. So we, so Glintz was a spinoff from that. Okay. Yeah. Were they paying you to run the internship program? Um, no, at that point of time, we were just for learning. Okay, cool. Yeah. What location was that? It was at Somerset. So it was the one in the old office, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The so, big great building. Was so just great. for the listeners, for some context, the hub is a, is one of the bigger co-working spaces in Singapore. Singapore has got a pretty pretty impressive co-working scene. Um, and so we're actually, I'm working at, out of one right now. And when I was there, the manager was asking if I had invested in any Singapore startups. And I said, Glintz. And she's like, oh, I know Oswald. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually, I, hadn't, I didn't know how, how you guys knew him. So that's really cool. So that's that goes back, what, three or four years that you yeah, were doing three that? years ago. Three or four years ago. Wow, we cool. started. So then, so you're doing the internship and and then you decide, well, this, this you're running the internship program and you yeah. decide this could be this has a business model behind it right yeah so an opportunity so we spin off glens from that okay how'd yeah, you get the domain glens domain um well the initial idea was was for glens to be short form for global internships mm-hmm. so that was the first idea because we saw that there wasn't really any dominant internship portal in the world mm-hmm. and we thought that allowing people to take internships anywhere in the world would be a really cool idea that was the first iteration yeah and that was where the idea came about yeah global awesome. internships yeah awesome idea so fast forward to becoming a business what, what's the next step in and specifically with fundraising and I know you guys were an accelerator that's really cool yeah. so um, I think that fast forward actually skipped through a huge part of the, the drudgery that we went through Okay, <laughs> it was a good one year before we figured out anything because we, I remember we were just stuck in one of our angel investors office and we were just working in this very small room it's like the size of this kitchen and it was just three guys trying to figure out a business model I remember for the longest time we didn't we didn't have any any profits or revenue for that matter and we just felt so lost in, in that office like it was in the middle of nowhere it's in the heartland of Singapore yeah. away from any other businesses and we were just three guys staring at each other trying to figure out a, a website that barely worked and <laughs> when the <laughs> And then we, we, we and then we just heard about JFDI, which is uh, stands for Joyful Frog Digital mm-hmm. Incubator. I mean, at least that's the the official name. Um, we heard about it through one of the talks that we attended, and we're like, okay, I think this is the direction that we need to go. So that was when we joined JFDI, and that was our next turning point. Yeah, wow. And this was that an easy process to get when you once you figured out that we're interested in going into that accelerator. Was that were they just like jumping at you guys, or you know, what was the application process like? Um, back then, okay, this was two three years ago. Ago, we we didn't know what to expect frankly mm-hmm. because there was we had no experience like this before we had never ex- applied for a, an entrepreneurship school in that sense I mean, all our lives was just growing up in the system get good grades go to jc and yeah. then ns and the then, singapore system yeah the singapore <laughs> system <laughs> so like none of our friends are applying for this and we, no one has none of our friends know about jfdi mm-hmm. so it was pretty strange i remember okay i remember very vividly they needed a, an application video of mm-hmm. us explaining what we had to do at the point in time we hired an intern from from like a from from hong kong 
and we just pass the phone to her and say, okay, come take this and film us talking. And then she just turn it on and we just talk for like a minute and then we send it in. So it was it was that casual. We didn't know what to expect, frankly. Yeah. And and through that, we, we got in. We, I still remember our first interview at JFDI. It was pretty strange. We met uh, Aliona. She's one of the program directors. Um, and it was just, she just asked like one line of sentences. We would speak and then she would say, okay. And then she asked the next question and we say, we just speak and then, okay. And then at the end of it, she just say, okay, you guys can go now. And we just look at each other and like, what do, where do we do next? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we got in after that. Uh, and before that, you I guess you had just a little bit of cash to put into a, a website or something, but not much capital behind you? Yeah. So before that, we, had, we were pretty lucky. So we actually had our first angel investment right a few, mo- a few months right after we started the company. This yeah. was before JFDI. So this was before JFDI. Okay. We had an angel investor who, who liked the team, met us, and decided to put like $50,000 in us. Okay, that's great. That's the first one. Yeah, yeah. just uh, just a good smile and a firm handshake. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's funny because it was actually our first investment. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was first time, it was our first time fundraising. We didn't even know what to expect. Yeah. And there's a funny story behind it. So initially, we he was giving us fifty thousand dollars for say 15 percent of the company. But the remaining that would the remaining portion we couldn't divide by three. The one, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like for it was supposed to be for fifteen percent of the company, <laughs> and then we didn't know how to divide it by three. Then we say like, well, why not we give you an additional one percent? <laughs> <laughs> You're such a nice guy and all. Just one more percent for you, and you know it'd be like easier for everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that one percent is. Worth yeah, <laughs> a yeah. lot of money now. Yeah. Oh man. So that person's still an investor, of course, right? Yeah, he's still a shareholder. Awesome. Very grateful to him. Cool. Well, that's a good, uh, good initial story. Did yeah. That, th- how did you guys end up meeting? Was that through some type of, of business meeting or? Yeah. Um, it was through one of our business contacts mm-hmm. who who liked what we're doing and then knew that he was looking for angel investments yeah. and he just linked us up. But that so but it was true referral. At that point, it was you guys had it was a concept more than a than a functional yeah. business, right? Yeah. Very early. Cool. Yeah. So then it was JFDI and that how long was that whole accelerator experience it was a hundred days program it's a fantastic program yeah so we went from three guys looking at each other in a room to working at a co-working space with a ton of other startups Mm -hmm. energy was great and the mentors coming in in and out every day just giving us mentor sessions and these mentors were actually successful entrepreneurs themselves a lot of them were angel investors and venture capitalists so it was a great way to build out our network wow yeah so i haven't actually talked to too many people that have gone through accelerators but the ones that have seemed to have really liked the experience in terms of a launching point for, and especially the network that they get out of, of going through that as a, a very early stage startup. Yeah, turning point first. Right. So what happened with uh, your gentleman's scholarly uh, ambitions in the USA? <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe just to give a bit of primer, uh, all three of us were on scholarships mm-hmm. uh, and especially some of us were on government scholarships in Singapore. And, and what that means is that while the government pays for your school fees while you go overseas for four years, you will come back and work for the government or whichever body you're bonded to for six years. So we... Jeez. Yeah, we, we thought it was a pretty good deal because when we, we were graduating, we were shown just two options. Either you go for this scholarship or that scholarship. Mm-hmm. So entrepreneurship was rarely brought up as a third option that you could go, go for. So mm-hmm. we, we were all on it. And uh, it was a very difficult decision because it was it was JFDI happened in the period bef- right before we enrolled in college, mm-hmm. so we were supposed to enroll in October. JFDI started in uh, April and it ended in August, and then we have two months in between to decide if we want to continue Vince, mm-hmm. and we had to fundraise within that two months, or we drop 
everything that we have over here and then to go, go study in the US. So that was that was a very difficult period for us, actually. The, the, you said you had to fundraise within two months. Is, was that because you were going to run out of money or, or that was a requirement? <laughs> well, both. We, we, were running, <laughs> we were running out of money before Sam decided to invest in us. <laughs> and also because we had to go to school very soon. <laughs> well, you also mentioned that that program that you get, you get to go over, uh, overseas for school and then you, so they'll pay for that entire experience? Or? Yeah, so it was, I think it's the dream of many Singaporean parents actually to have their kids go overseas on a fully funded scholarship program. Yeah, not to mention the schools that you guys got into. Yeah, it was, right? good. It was pretty good schools. We were very, we were very lucky. Expensive schools. What, what, what were yeah. the schools again? So YC was going to Wharton. Um, yeah, I was that's like, it's <laughs> like not a pretty good school. It's like the best school, right? <laughs> so Wharton Business School, I was going to Berkeley, UC Berkeley, Berkeley yeah. and our tech partner was going to Stanford. Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah so, impressive list. So it's fun. And I imagine that the, the Singapore government, you said you, had, you would have to work for them for six years or so after. I feel like the government jobs in Singapore are would be good jobs, like well-respected, well-paid compared yeah. to being a politician in the USA or something like that. <laughs> yeah. To that degree, right? It's yeah. a steady career. Yeah, so, yeah. so interesting. Yeah. yeah. So what? happened next was what the the newspaper here called singaporean parents worst nightmare <laughs> yeah <laughs> we all decided to drop out give up scholarships and we're going to start up <laughs> so you guys had actually gone to the states and then we're like ah, trying this out let's let's see how it goes and then just decided to to pull the cord all at the same time right yeah yeah we were in there for one semester and thinking that we could pull off both startup and uh, and school there was a uh, well now we know it's a pipe dream. Yeah. Uh, I still remember we were talking to you while we were in the US and we had to do a three-way, four-way Skype call yeah. where we had to discuss. And it was just so difficult because I couldn't I couldn't catch up my schoolwork. And at the same time, the business wasn't doing well because no one was taking care of it. So it was just, it was the second hardest period after having to decide whether to go to school. You guys should have gone to a university like me. Absolutely no coursework, just party, <laughs> sports. And if you want to do a startup, you have all the time in the world. <laughs> I, can rec- I can recommend some good schools in, in uh, Florida if you if you wanted to try that again so I remember when you guys because at this point you had already raised a seed round right well, we're in the process or you're of in the process closing of it, it yeah. Right? yeah and I just remember like the you know where I went to school now I, I was doing a startup when I was in school but yeah. like I said it was there was no coursework and I was looking at the the three schools that you guys were going to I'm like oh man this is this is gonna be a real challenge um, but I guess uh, I guess we'll see how it plays out but things are going well now and, and and you ended up moving back to Singapore. You had, at that point closed the round, right? Yeah. Yes. And uh, take us back to the to the seed round. How was that initiated? Because you had at this point you had got one angel investor. You'd gone through JFDI, so you had a little bit of money from them. Yeah. And then how did so how did this next round originate? Valuation. So at the conclusion of JFDI was something they called Demo Day. So it was like a beauty pageant for entrepreneurs, <laughs> where they just parade one startup after another on stage, and there'll be like fifty to hundred investors uh-huh. below VCs and angel investors. And that was the start of our fundraising process. So we give a presentation on, on stage, give a pitch about our business and about how big this can grow. And after that, it was just hustling, just setting up meetings with angel investors and VCs and getting them to live in our vision. So this was this was a Singapore event? This was in Singapore, yeah. So what, did you, you, they dressed you up in a suit and just yeah, got just, you up there? <laughs> that, this was yeah, something that you music. got, it was your yeah. initiative to go to this. It wasn't It wasn't another investor no, pushing you into it? No, was, it was it, part or? of the GFDI program. Okay, so it's gotcha. part of, yeah, it was like on day 100, you would go for this and try to raise as much money as you can to grow a company. So how did you come up with the valuation for the seed round? Look, to be honest, it was plucked right out from the air. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the one thing we learned is that the valuation for your company is very much just how much investors are willing to pay for it. Mm. Yeah. And I think one one mistake that entrepreneurs make when they when they first start fundraising mm. is they try to optimize very much for valuation. Yeah. But I think a lot what is a lot more important is the kind of investors that invest in your business and instead you should be optimizing for the quality of investors and how fast you can close around. Absolutely. And I, yeah. I and there's also a lot of people try to jump to like you said, focus on high valuation. You always have to think that it's a good chance that you're gonna have to raise more money. And if you yeah. you might get some some jumpy investors early that want to invest at a really high valuation, but you have to leave room to grow and grow your valuation. Exactly. Business. So I think that was good advice. The um the first round of investors, so like how much interest did you have in your seed round and, and who what were you looking looking for in, in those early investors. Yeah. So one one great piece of advice that we had regarding fundraising was ask for money and you'll get advice. Ask for advice and you'll get money. Mm. And that was really true for us because when you, the times where you just went up to an investor to pitch for money, mm-hmm. the only thing he would give us is advice. <laughs> so, yeah, you guys are great. Or want 50% less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys are great. I really like you guys. But you know, maybe work on those things first. Yeah. Yeah. And walk away with nothing. Um, but the times where we develop a mentor-like relationship with the investors first, mm-hmm. We just bid up over a few months, ask them for advice, ask them for mentorship. Eventually, when we were fundraising, it was very natural for them to invest in our business mm-hmm. because they were comfortable with the team and we were comfortable with them as well. Mm-hmm. And that was a great way to tease out which investors we'll, we'll, we were comfortable with and who we, re- we didn't really want to work with for the long term. Yeah. So there, was there quite a, quite a group of people that you just had no interest in, in in investing in the group or? Yeah. So once we opened up the round of fundraising, um, we set up a lot of meetings with the investors and also people who have mentored us before. And the hardest part was getting getting the first investor to lead the round. Right. Yeah. And once we found one VC who who agreed to lead the round for us, who take the who set the terms, get all the other investors in, that most of the work was done there. Yeah. So yeah. Th- that's a kind of an ambiguous part of fundraising, I think, for most people is how to find a lead investor. How do you even know that you need a lead investor, right? Let's say you go and you say, I need I need to raise a half a million dollars. Yeah. Someone who's not done it before, they would just say, Well, what do we do? We're gonna create a pitch deck and we're gonna ask friends of friends and you know, people do they know anyone that might want to invest in but put it out there, right? But really what how it's done these days is you f- you need to find a lead investor who's gonna do the hard work for you, it's gonna help with the structure of the contracts, the term, and then they're also going to go out and put it through their network. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So I think one of the really cool things about this, this investment um, was because it was my first angel investment. It right. was your guys' first experience raising money. First and I had actually never yeah. raised money either. So it was it was kind of, it was almost on three different levels. Yeah. And and that was one of the reasons, you know, when we first sat down and talked, these guys are so cool. And this is such a new experience for, for all of us that we can kind of share this journey together. Yeah. And when we sit down and talk about it now, it's, we're, you know, we're reflecting on what's been almost two and a half years or so, you know, reflecting on the experience. And it was, it was really a, a maiden voyage for us in a lot of different ways. So it's been, it's been a really cool experience, I would say. Yeah, Destiny. Destiny, <laughs> absolutely, right? Uh, uh, we'll, we'll aim for a, two, a big 2018 uh, party of some sort. Hopefully, it's, uh, yes. hopefully it's real destiny. But um, so, so, yeah, so I mean, such an incredible story already from going from, you know, military to finding, kind of falling into this, this opportunity that you started a business, finding a, uh, your first investor, going through an accelerator, going through a seed round and in investing. What happens now? Like after you get your seed round of investing, what 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 do the operations turn into? Well, um, at least for in our case, off, right after we raised the seed round, we had to go study. So we, we all went to our separate universities. Mm-hmm. Um, I it was it was quite a it was quite a episode because as I was leaving at the airport for for my school, I I, I my partner brought like a 
term sheet or something, some document for me to sign mm-hmm. because I had to sign it before I go, and that's, that ensures that the round closes on time. <laughs> so it was it was a lot of it was it was a lot of chaos at that point in time. Mm-hmm. We we hired two uh, local employees at a point in time to handle the Singapore operations while we explored the U.S. Uh, market. But it was I just vaguely remember that. It was just a long, a long sleepless nights where I tried to code up the website, and in the end, I don't think we did. We did even launch in the US. Mm-hmm. We just spoke to a lot of users, and while trying to juggle our homework at the same time and coursework, and it that lasted to the end of the semester. And we we're like, okay, this is not working out. We gotta take a leave of absence, and that was when three of us decided to come back, and we decided to come back to Singapore, and that was when I felt we really started running. Our business proper. Yeah. So you guys get back to Singapore and centralized kind of. You got you had an office at that point, right? What was the first office that we went that I went to actually? Yeah. So it was at a co-working space that was run by one of our investors. Yeah, Infocom Investments. Is that and place still? Is that open still? It is. Yeah. That yeah, place is sweet. It's nice, it was right? So sweet. But I, yeah. I remember going there and being like <laughs> this almost nostalgic feeling of it's amazing. I don't know how big it is. It's huge. Energy is great. Yeah. And but there was only like four people in there. It was like <laughs> I, just us. We had the whole place. I was ourselves. like either they yeah. these guys have the loneliest office in the world or they have the <laughs> most awesome office because it was it was this huge really modernized place yeah. with ping pong tables and astroturf and stuff. Yeah. It's like this week. Yeah. Uh, uh, so you guys moved on, moved on to that. You now you have your own office. Now we have our own office. Yeah, got our own cave now. Feels great. Uh, I went to. Well, there's there's something else to this this whole entire story uh, that that uh, these guys might be me com- might be comfortable revealing. <coughs> AA. But um, so I went over to the new office recently, and they have their own this own. I almost say it's like its own its own building or own floor of a building, and they're working off this this big almost type of like kitchen style table of how many people maybe 10 people kind of shoulder to shoulder and then you go back to this little room and there's four or five developers sitting there on on the same table together and then i'm just being kind of nosy browsing my way around the place and i step outside and walk outside and the room right next door i look in and there's three dorm style beds in there <laughs> and I'm like what is this this is like it's like an office uh, apartment and i'm like what is this oswald and he's like oh this is our be- these are our bedrooms we we live here Monday through Friday. That's and right. Like, you know what? That's you know <laughs> working hard. Exactly what it needs to be. And I, I think so many so many startups these days are just spoiled with with cash and, and uh, luxury. And you know it's got to get back to that that really hard grind mode. You know if you read uh, like Elon Musk's new book and yeah. how he started and they were just living on the floor working 18, 20 hours a day and like that was their passion. That's 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 where success is. When when I see success like big success and stuff. Startups, it's there's people that are really going to roll up their sleeves and do what is required in startups and not just, um, you know, not live the fancy uh, lifestyle for uh, for the time, you know, the time that requires to make it happen. Yeah, we, we always joke that it was like uh, national service all over again. We're booking on Monday <laughs> and we check out on Friday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think because you guys went through that experience also. In, yeah, this was tons better than, than right. national service. Than yeah, Army. Exactly. <laughs> so you had that experience. You'd already gone through a lot of that stuff together and living in close quarters. So like this is this is that, but a lot more fun, I would yeah, say. Right. It is. It is. So where, where do you guys stand now? I mean, where's the Glintz platform now? So we recently launched in our in our second market. Mm-hmm. So it's the first time we're expanding overseas. So we just launched in Indonesia and we're at a stage where we're trying to get more Indonesia users on board. We recently got our first 100,000 users. So that's a great milestone for us. Yeah. 100,000 users on yeah. the on the pl- platform. Yeah. The tra- so that would a couple be, months ago. That would be basically people looking for interns. Internships, um, fresh graduate job opportunities and just young people looking for the careers. And so that's Singapore and... Singapore and Indonesia. Yeah. Man, I, I saw a news report the other day with some really 
intriguing news about Indonesia as a you know as a mar- as an e-com market specifically. But that market's I mean, it, was it 200, 200 plus million people? Uh, it's modernizing quite quickly. Yeah. And I know like running Facebook ads there is it's they're very they're click happy, right? It's so it converts at low. You know, there are a lot of people that have mobile devices now, so it's a, a very I don't know. Would you consider it an emerging market? It's quickly developing, right? Yeah. Um, so very interesting market and a big market right yeah usa is 300 million people indonesia is quickly quickly growing past 200 million right so big opportunities there what um what are your operations there do you have a team do you have so we have a team of four over there in indonesia and you're right it's such a huge market it's growing so quickly some people are saying that indonesia where it is today is where china was say 10 15 years ago so it presents a lot of business and investment opportunities and it's a great time to get in so for us it took us one year to get twenty thousand users in singapore but it took us one month over there that's just 10 times the growth it's crazy yeah and you'd almost think like looking at it from a high level you'd say it might be even easier to market in singapore so so concentrated that word of mouth spreads it's easier to advertise and get impressions everywhere but i guess just by the sheer math population there that it just goes quick, right? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I mean, to give you a, a, a concrete example, um, because we use the market at career fairs at Singapore and we get like uh, 200, 300 people attending it and we have like a portion of that converting to, to, to users. And then when my partners first went to Indonesia for the first career fair marketing, I was asking him like, how many people are going to turn up? And he's like, 30,000? Like 30,000? That's like how many times bigger than the Singapore one? Mm-hmm. And I remember the first uh, career fair marketing that we did. I didn't know website went down for a few times during the day and I never had that before uh, in Singapore and when we checked it out I was like oh too many people are visiting it at the same time and I think on that day we have how many signups I think in the thousands right it's not, well, yeah like we never had that in a single day in Singapore so it's nuts over there in terms of sheer numbers so what, what, are, you, what are you guys plans on the, on, on the actual platform and site for kind of scaling the growth and you know supporting businesses with more features yep so we are actually expanding um, on our vision of being a career discovery and development platform so our vision for that is a, a young a platform for young people to go to mm-hmm. to discover new opportunities that will develop their careers in many in many different ways so not just restricted to jobs and, and internships of course there's a start but of course other things like workshops or hackathons or people that you should meet that will further your career essentially helping them build their career capital mm. So the eventual vision is for Glintz to become the go-to career development platform for all young people around the world. Fantastic. So where where do you guys stand with financial growth? So revenue is growing steadily right now. Uh, we recently closed our Series A investment round. So oh, that's a good there, there, there's some news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that would be released. <laughs> yeah, so that's a good milestone for us. Yeah. yeah, so that's starting the skill. So can you take... Take us a little through the Series A, what the kind of the benchmarks of getting there were and how, I mean, how that whole thing come up, right? Because that's really, it's a, it's a great story in terms of, of a startup path. You know, you go from concept to accelerator to seed round to Series A. And now I would say you have really the flexibility to kind of, you know, manifest your own destiny in a way. Yeah. So this time, fundraising this time around was pretty much different from the seed round investments. Seed round investments, we realized that a lot of investors are just investing in the team. They like the team, they like the idea, and they'll take a leap of faith with you. Mm-hmm. But this time around, they dive deep into the business. They look at your metrics. The due diligence is, is just, it takes a couple of months and it's a long drawn process. Mm-hmm. It's actually 
yeah it's extremely professional mm-hmm. was it you guys that said okay we're ready we want to do this and then you approach investors or was it kind of the other way around that's right so one thing we have learned that is that when raising a seed round the bet one of the best kind of investors you can get is investors who can follow on in your in your next round of funding yeah. so typically these are vcs who have who have a huge fund size or angels who have a lot of money in their bank account mm-hmm. and the best way to get to get started is by approaching this existing investors and saying hey um the past year has been great we are taking we're ready to take things to the next level and we want to start the round mm. yeah and usually they will start to fill up the round for you and is that is, is that pretty typical of what happened with you guys yeah so that was how we got started uh we started by talking to some of our existing investors mm-hmm. we said hey we're raising this amount of money and how much would you like to support us how much would you like to invest and follow on mm-hmm. this time around yeah and that did that produce kind of a lead investor for, to to take on a lot of the brunt work of doing that? Yeah, because the the hardest part about fundraising is always getting that first few commitments mm-hmm. because no one that dares to take the first step, right? Investors are always just looking out, looking for for each other's opinions and advice. They don't really dare to be the first one to commit. But if you have existing investors who can sort of do that for you, it helps you to build up their momentum, and you can go out there and say, "Hey, I'm look, I'm raising say five million dollars, and I already got half committed. The round is closing in a couple of weeks time." And <laughs> And yeah, <laughs> better, better jump come, on board. Or jump on board, or, boat, right? Yeah, that's right. So, from my standpoint, the way that it worked out, trying to give sides of uh, both sides of it for for the listeners. So, the Glintz boys sent over kind of where the status update of the company and said we're going to be raising a, a Series A. And with the previous terms, I want to say I was entitled to pro rata that's by right. investment, right? Which which means that let's just let's just say I owned one percent of, of the company in C round. What the new valuation of the company was, I was allowed to invest up to that that amount to pro rata to maintain my pro rata shares, right? So I could invest X amount to maintain 1% at the new valuation. And then I don't, was it was it part of the terms that I could also invest more or was that well, um, like increase my, my stake, right? The Your entitlement was to maintain pro rata to maintain your states, mm-hmm. but because we have a good relationship, of course, we'll let you put in more as well. Right. Oh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> right. So it wasn't entitlement. It was a, it was a, it was a hand, it was, yeah, 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 yeah. privilege. Exactly. <laughs> Said. Yeah. So yeah. I increased my stake. I think there was a couple of at least two or three people that increased their stake. Yeah. So I increased my stake in Glintz very happily, very, very excited to be part of this. It's been a great journey. Yeah. And yeah, it's such I mean, it's such a good story. It's a great product. Southeast Asia is growing so quickly. We just saw the news of what happened with with uh, LinkedIn and Microsoft. There's a lot of activity in, in, in the area. And I think the pivot you guys have made from like purely internship into career development has been a strong move. So really excited to see where the platform goes and, actually, the, and, and the big yeah. plans. Yeah. Yeah, actually, Sam. I'm, I'm curious. So from an angel investor point of view, what were some of the things that you're looking out for to have you invest in us twice? What made you take the leap? The first time, so you guys were my first angel investment. So I, I got got kind of my pay payout of, my, of selling my business in 2000, essentially end of t- last last month of 2013, really beginning of 2014. And I was put in touch with you guys pretty quickly after that, right? Personality wise, I just took a personality test. I forget which the main one is, but I'm very, <laughs> I'm very much on the feeling side. So I, just, I, I act a lot on feeling. And, and you know, after yeah. I took that personality test, I realized so much about myself, how I interact in relationships, how I, I conduct business, things like that. I would recommend anyone to take it. We'll have to leave a, a link to it in the show notes. But it was it was pretty quick decision for me. It was after having a conversation with you, I just think the guy that put us in touch, Edmund, I just called him. I was like, I just got a good feeling about this. Like I like the guys. And I think that's a lot of the way I, I, I do business now. If I like people or I like partners or like suppliers, I, I tend to move really quick really quickly. So I was very intrigued about Southeast Asia as a market as a whole. I had just come back from I just done a business in Europe. I'd done business in, 
in uh, the USA before. And I think anyone who kind of looked at Asia knew that's going to be the, the hot market for the next decade. So I, I was keen to do some business here. And then, yeah, just meeting you guys and hearing your story, it was it was a pretty quick decision for me. So that was the seed round. Yeah. And then I guess fast forward to the Series A. I mean, we've stayed in, in very good contact, I would say, through the development of the business. Met with you guys on several different occasions on a business level and just on a, on a friendship level. And uh, just continue to, to like more the space that you're in and continue to like you guys more and the progress of the business has been great. So there's a lot of other businesses that I've, I've been looking at doing angel investments around the valuation that you guys are at. But every time I try to do an apples apples comparison, I'm just like, it's, it's it's almost hard for me to invest in these other companies because I'm like glints. I, I just like glints <laughs> four or five times more, right? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, you, you know, I also look at it from kind of a, a total gain, total loss type of thing. Uh, total gain, you know, there's there's a number out there that, that, that could be really cool. And from a total loss perspective, I think the whole journey of doing this with you guys, if, if everything went to hell, would still more than well pay off for, uh, you know, the experience and the journey. And I, I look at a lot of investments on that level as well. If you can learn something good from an experience, you know, it's that is going to gain for the future in, in a lot of ways, then it's worth it to even take that gamble. I see. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was very much how I made the decision to sort of drop out of school to run this business as well, because I realized that at the end of the day, even if the business go to hell, like I say, well, it wouldn't, we would still have an incredible journey. We'll learn so much mm-hmm. and build up such a fantastic network that it would all be worth it. Yeah. And you can yeah. still go back to Berkeley. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's always there. It'll still yeah. be waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> so one day in the future, in your lifetime, Glint will, will be somewhere else probably. What, what do you guys see yourself doing? Do you want to stink in the, in the startup scene or maybe potentially try your, uh, try your, your, your hand in, in investing or I, I don't know I, I frankly have frankly have no idea but how about your background back when you're running SkySick did you think about what you would do after you sold out or no, I mean, I, I always assumed I wanted to do startups because when I was doing a startup, I just, I loved it so much. And now that I'm out of it, I love it that much more. I mean, that was easily the best time of my life was, right. was being in that stage of business where you had enough that you knew you weren't going to go hungry. You know, you had enough cash flow or, or enough earnings that you knew you weren't going to go hungry and you were growing a team like that that kind of 18 month window of, of that before things got really much larger scale and much more complicated was yeah. was easily the best time of my life. Um, so I guess I always assumed that I just wanted to stay in startups, which is still my mindset. But right. yeah, I mean, you know, when you, I'm, cr- I'm, I'm cross 30 now, you guys are still really young. I mean, doing the, <laughs> doing the 16 hour days starts starts to wear on you a little bit more. But so staying involved in startups on an investing level is, is kind of how I, I hedge that a little bit. I see, right. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, we have thought about it. We, I mean, internally, we have talked through this before. And I mean, we just find it very hard to imagine what we would do after Linz's somewhere else because this has been our life for the past three years pretty much for five, six days a week and 16 hours a day and uh, I don't know because it, it takes so much out of you physically yeah. and emotionally and we I don't know like 5-10 years down the road can I still bring that out from me when I'm like 30 plus and uh, I don't know so it's not in the future it's always uncertain <laughs> you just you just compliment just, it with, 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 with wine young, and scotch I mean, <laughs> well, well for me I, I think I would definitely be interested in doing angel investments yeah because I just like the I like the energy of the startup scene yeah I think it's a great way to amplify your impact and to just work with interesting people and interesting ideas. Yeah. I think it's a lot more interesting than investing in just the stock market. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you find a, a big difference between 
angels that you work with and VCs that you may have met, like the personality types or maybe their experience? Hell yes. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, there are two kinds of investors that we, we feel like we've been working with so far. That's the kind that we feel is investing in us as a team and they will go the journey with us yeah. and then that's the kind who are just financial investors pure financial investors they're investing in the business and that's that's just their only end goal their end right. goal is to make money yeah so i always had this concept and the thing is i've, I've the only i know angels that are similar to me that i'm friends with and invest in stuff but i'm i'm not really connected to the whole vc silicon valley scene i tend to stay away from, from that whole part of business right why is that well i've never i've never raised money before and i've always had i've always had somewhat less respect for for the whole VC because I can't relate to them on that level because I don't think yeah. a lot of VCs have have ever done a start and done the you know the the eighteen hour days and legwork and understand business on that level. They understand business from a very high level and a financing level and a leverage level, but not on a emotional level. On a, not on an emotional exact right. So I've, I've so almost always stayed disconnected that scene, and I think that's a little bit by choice, a little bit by luck. The business I've done have never required that or never gotten to that level. Either way, so for that reason, I've never had much contact with VCs, but I've become an angel investor. Um, and I know I know a lot of people that are on my level that now invest. And I just feel like as you know, angel investor and VCs to a lot of people kind of get classed in the same, almost same profile, but I feel like they're massively distinct and have a you know huge difference of, in experience and huge difference of value that they can add to a startup. Yeah, it's very different. What you said earlier about some investors not having that kind of emotional connection to running the business, the rise and grind of the business is very true. We found that the investors who have been entrepreneurs themselves before or at least have had some kind of entrepreneur experiences we tend to connect with a lot better yeah on personal level thank you for that uh tap on the back <laughs> thank you sam <laughs> <laughs> so i know there's just a lot of people that the startup scene everyone everywhere in the world you go everyone's buzzing about the start right yeah people want to be part of it people want to people want to work in it people want to start their own startups people want to invest in it i think the whole world economy is moving somewhat toward a small business Yep. economy. Yep. Massive industries, massive categories are getting disrupted by small, flexible startups. And like all that we've been talking about, I mean, it's 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 a fantastic place to be, whether you're investing, whether you're operating, whether you're just friends with people in startups, whether you're, you're going to co-work bases and just hanging out with startups. It's a great place to be. And I think everyone wants to, to kind of be able to, to have access to that. Do you guys have any recommendations or suggestions on people that might want to, let's just say they want to invest. Let's say they have say $20,000 disposable income they want to invest in startups they don't know how to they're working you know for a bank or whoever how do you get involved in finding startups or meeting startups that you might have the opportunity to invest with right um that's a good that's a good question and a very difficult one because <laughs> <laughs> i i i i think most because frankly speaking i think most angel investors come into the investing game having already done the startup mm -hmm. and i think that's the best way for you to find out if a startup is worth investing in because you know you've been in their shoes you know what it takes to be a good founder yeah and very much about an early stage startup is really about founders so if you have not that the benefit of that experience mm -hmm. then i would suggest well you can you can you should tag along a more experienced angel investor. Yeah. Just observe. Don't put in your money. Don't lose that twenty k because you're going to lose it if you just just trigger happy <laughs> yeah, 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 investing yeah. in any <laughs> random. And, I mean, angel investing to be to be honest is one I think one of the riskiest investments sure. around, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Sure, yeah. So you got to tag along with someone experienced. Uh, lend your pay your dues. Lend lend the ropes, and maybe in a few years' time, then maybe you can start exploring that space. I think the this is a great point, and I think the first thing that they have to do if they're interested in getting started. Is 
is to find a way to get deal flow. Mm-hmm. So deal flow, it's the point where you can just, just start looking at a lot of startups yeah. because you probably don't want to just invest all your startup money in the first or the second startup that you see. You want to see a few of this and then you'll be able to see, okay, which are the ones that I really like and are there any patterns and good businesses or good startups. Yeah. So you have to get deal flow of this. And I think the best way to do that is to try plugging yourself into the inner circle. I think in every area, every region, every city, there's always an inner circle of startup people. So just try to get yourself into that circle. Um, attend attend events, work at co-working spaces, mentor at accelerators or this kind of communities. And it'd be a fantastic way to build up your network and to just get referrals to look at startups. Yeah, I think that both those opinions are really good advice and you know, there's especially in big cities now. Anyone that's located in big city knows someone who's starting a business, right? I mean, there's just so many small businesses now. They might not all be award-winning ideas, but there's so many people that are starting new businesses. And if you know one person that's starting a business, that person that's starting a business probably five people, and those yep. people know ten people. So it's about getting in that network and expanding and letting letting those people know I'm interested in getting involved in this industry, maybe from an investor standpoint or co-founder or whatever. Maybe just to add on add on a point that also brought up about mentorship. I think that's a very good entry point for um, most people too if they have a domain expertise um, let's say they were ex-banker and they have domain expertise in the financial industry and context then for fintech startups for for example they can offer that wealth experience start up as a mentor watch the, the startup grow over a few a few months or even a year and then you have a much better grasp on whether this is a good startup yeah great advice so you guys are are now well well capitalized I would say what are <laughs> What are the uh, you know what are the next big plans for you guys? You're in Indonesia, you're in Singapore. Yeah. What do, where do you go from here? Well, Indonesia is a huge market, mm-hmm. so the, the immediate goal right now it's for Glins to become the number one platform, career platform in both Singapore and Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And we think that would take maybe half to about a year. And after that, we'll start expanding to the rest of Southeast Asia and eventually conquer the world. Hopefully, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like a uh, a board game of risk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mounting the troops and then yeah take over. Yeah, it's well, a lot guys, of work to be done though. Yeah. guys it's been a, it's been a ton of fun so much so much knowledge to gain from your guys journey I, I guess I would almost say a, a mutual journey in a startup and angel investing and growing through an accelerator to a seed round to a series a so it's been really fun I can't wait to see what the future holds from us where's where's another uh, what's, what's more another way that people can get information on the co-founders and yeah. on more on glints well or the best way to get to find out about glints is just go to the website if you're recruiting or looking for young talent you can go to glints.com g-l-i-n-t-s.com mm-hmm. it's a great way to find young talent and for me my can just drop me an email anytime yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll say it on the air maybe we'll put yeah. it in the show notes yeah. you guys sure. are on social yeah. and i'm sure more information online will drop in the show notes yeah good stuff well gents i know it's uh what is it coming up on almost 11 o'clock you have your bedtime you have an early morning tomorrow <laughs> back at the glint's office <laughs> still early yeah <laughs> Well, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks a lot for coming on, spending time with us and, ex- and uh, sharing your experience. I know the listeners get a lot out of it. And uh, hopefully we'll have a round two, a round two um, down the road when we get uh, a little bit further into your guys' expansion plans and see uh, how the, the Conquer the World plans come along. Yeah, it'll be fun. Thanks, Sam. All right, guys, take care. Thanks for coming on the show. And listeners, stay tuned to an outro and look forward to another episode of Invest Like a Boss next week. Thanks. Wow, what a great episode. I, I can still hardly believe that these guys gave up a full ride scholarship to three of the best schools in the U.S. UC Berkeley, Stanford, and Wharton Business School. And a full ride scholarship, you, you get to basically just live there and go to school completely for free. I mean, that that is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. And 
people, you know, beg to get in these schools. They, they dedicate their whole lives to get in these schools. And the fact that these three from Glintz had such a passion for their business and they, they knew they had the work ethic to be able to, to, you know, survive on their own. And they weren't thinking short term. And I think th- this is a big takeaway that we can all take away from, from this is, you know, even though school is a great idea for, for a lot of people, uh, if you have the blood of an entrepreneur, of a st- startup founder, and you have a mission and a goal, something you're working towards, don't settle for, you know, what's easy. And it would have been a lot easier just to go to school on a full-ride scholarship, especially if you wanted to just party it up like Sam did and, and not focus too much about your your studies. But on the flip side, this is a great episode where you can kind of see the type of founders and the type of mindsets you want to look for if you're going to invest in a startup yourself. So as Sam mentioned in the episode, and as well as the founders of Glenn's, uh, don't you know, just start throwing money at startups because it's a great way to lose money. Uh, startups is one of those, you know, those things where even Tim Ferriss says he is going to stop angel investing just because it takes up, up number one so much time. But also, unless you hit a unicorn, unless you happen to get lucky with one of the, you know, thousands of companies or tens of thousands, or hundreds of thousands that actually become the next Twitter, the next, you know, big, um, the the big company, it's a great way to lose out. So we are not necessarily recommending that you invest in startups, but the reason why we want to share this episode, and I think why it's so valuable, is you can see it from both sides, from someone who's an experienced entrepreneur who has you know, been through the startup scene, sold a company to go back and be an angel investor like Sam has, uh, or if you are trying to raise money for your business, you can kind of see, first off, what the competition is like, what their mindsets are like, what you're kind of working against, uh, as well as how to best get funded. So thanks again for for staying tuned in this episode. Really, really appreciate everyone who has been taking the time to leave the five-star reviews on iTunes. It's been helping us so much grow our popularity. I, I think if every single person listening to this podcast gets value from it and you share it with a few friends, you tell a couple friends, hey, you should listen to Invest Like a Boss, subscribe on iTunes or on your phone. Uh, and if they and if you like it yourself, please review it on iTunes because that helps us spread the word so much. See you all next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.